Okay, so joining me today is Professor Burdish. Um, she is a senior lecturer and uh, senior lab research librarian at the University of Michigan uh, Ross School of Business. So thank you for joining me, Professor. Appreciate it. Nice to be here. So uh, I wanted to start off by kind of with like an open-ended question of, you know, COVID started two years ago and, you know, it feels like it's been a lifetime since then. Do you, how, how do you think we've come? How far do you think we've come? Like not just us as like people, but businesses, the economy. Do you have any kind of takeaways from that? Yeah, it's a mixed bag, I think. In many ways, it's easy to kind of wring our hands because it feels like, oh, it'll never go away. And I feel like we've got people not agreeing on how to tackle the virus or the effects of the virus, which makes us all stressed out by trying to figure out how to work through it. Bottom line though is, is we are working through it. We did work through it in some sense. Things are happening. And I think it's time to move on in some sense in our minds when we're vaxxed and boosted and we've been wearing those masks and the cases go down, it's time to integrate the basic, just small behavior and really mask wearing, that sort of thing, not a big behavior. We used to tackle this stuff pretty easily and just try to open up again business. There's one caveat though, a lot of people are responding to the fact that they figured out that their jobs often are better done at home, certain aspects of their job are better done at home. And I don't think we're ever going back on that aspect. Right before COVID, as a personal story, my daughter uh, had a company just tell everybody that was working in Chicago, we don't wanna pay for that office anymore. So we want you all to work from home, okay? So that was forced, it didn't feel great, but they were already starting to figure out I didn't need to pay the overhead. Then we started to figure out we can do the job just as good here without being under your restrictions and time schedules. I think some of that we're never gonna go back on. I really do think that's an adjustment. And now I see it in the Harvard Business Review and our people talking about it at Michigan here on the radio and TV. Oh, it's never going back. And I have to agree, it won't, it won't. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because like you talked about like, this improvement in efficiency for offices and, you know, them sending like, you're telling your daughter to actually stay at home and work. But, you know, you as an educator, I'm sure it's been kind of different for you and like the experience of teaching. And it feels like, you know, we are masked, vaxxed and boosted, but it does feel like we lost on some aspects of, of learning and teaching. Could you maybe speak to those? Yeah, I, I hated teaching totally online. Um, and I didn't love even this last year where we're all in masks, at least I didn't even love that, but I feel like we did okay with it. I, it, I found it to be a challenge. I learned some new skills. I learned some things I wasn't doing very well in person, but I want to be back in the classroom. And if I have to wear the mask, that's worth it. But it was better last year, but it would be better if we could open up. Yep. One more time. You know, some of the restrictions on eating and how many people could be in the library, uh, people coming to study, these don't feel good to me. These don't feel right. This doesn't feel like the way we should be running and educating people. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, where I want to go next is 
kind of like focus in on how specifically the economy has performed like in the last few months, even though, you know, COVID has still been going on because on the face value, it's been doing pretty well, you know, GDP of 6.9% annual rate in the fourth quarter, huge demand increase in consumer demand, all of this despite like the advent of the Omicron uh, variant. You know, is this a mirage? Like we know GDP as a metric can have some shortcomings. Um, or do you think maybe this is also pointing to like a sign of moving on, a sign of prosperity in the future? Okay, so it's difficult sometimes to feel optimistic, but I think it's bottom line, I'm no economist, but bottom line, the economy is good, okay? When it's chugging along like this, it's always good. Economists measure things in certain ways. I've been amazed since I first took my first macroeconomic class in 1977. I've been amazed that a lowering in unemployment, more people employed has never made economists respond in a positive way. This should always be a positive. And the power in the employee that we have right now, this quitting syndrome, I think that's a good sign for things to come. I do. And I don't think you can deny basic economic growth that we're seeing right now, in spite of other things, everything else. The problem is the US economy, much like our response to COVID, is a regional thing as well. And I think that it's difficult to feel like the economy is great if you're not. And a lot of people lost their jobs and lost incomes and they make way less money than they used to. And that's that's where the, the dichotomy comes, I think. For sure. And it is, it is a complicated issue, right? Because it's yes. almost, you know, like it, it's bordering on now too much of a good thing because we see well, once again, another metric that has its flaws, we understand like CPI, uh, it's been up 7.5% this past year, 0.6% um, just January. This, these are like numbers that are high, the highest in 40 years. And we're hearing a ton of buzz about them, especially from um, like Republicans who are like clamoring about high inflation. And it's, it is in some ways it's hard to deny that because you know, electricity, food and rent are like staples and those are going up way, way, way high. Um, so it is like a fascinating, you know, dichotomy, right? Because we want to balance, like we have to balance like the growth that we love to see after like we experienced negative GDP, like in the first few months of COVID, but we also, at least many people want to keep prices low. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on all of that. Uh, so again, I think we look at these things sort of in, in uh, silos or, or psych, how we measure things. And this one, inflation, I've heard for a long time. I feel like certain levels of inflation are more, they're not as damaging to the individual consumer as they are to people who hold money. The income earner doesn't get hurt as much by inflation in many cases that I've heard about through the last 40 years as people that don't get their income, they don't have their money from, don't have their wealth from income. They have their wealth from other sources, investments, things like that. So I think to some extent you can, if you raise, if wages go up at the same rate as everything else, you can 
actually balance that inflation effect off on the individual consumer. And I really do believe one thing that isn't being addressed in the discussions I'm hearing is the fact that higher wages may also raise the economy. It's, I think it's important to, to consider it that way, right? Yeah. We've gotten a little out of whack on what we measure, but we've also gotten out of whack on who owns the money. And we're always going to measure based on what we think is important. <laughs> and the sure. people that measure this, yeah. So I think this is an issue that we need to address, but it might be addressed in ways that are non-traditional to the way we often address it in the U.S. economy. Right, exactly. Because I feel like where you're heading there is like, like so many people think, oh, we just need to hike up interest rates now because they have so much fear of like prices. Going then up. you're hurting consumers to some yeah. extent too. Now I want to borrow. Yeah, for sure. And like you just mentioned, like, you know, we're all of this like hysteria over these increasing prices is kind of detracting from like a major positive that we are. Yes, we are experiencing a wage growth that's like pretty significant, but it's kind of like losing its luster because the cost of living is increasing. So but it takes time to catch up. So, you know, to take a snap, one of the things that I, I feel dismay because I'm old, I feel like our, our mirror or the way we look at the world is in short terms. Like when I think about strategy, I don't think about five years. That to me is a tactic. Life is long. The economy is in cycles, right? So let's not respond to the snapshot picture of inflation or whatever. And it will take a while, but if we continue to, if employment continues to be up and wages go up, people pay taxes, income earners have to pay taxes. They can't get out of it. All of that stuff gets better. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And I think it's definitely important to keep like a long-term plan in mind instead of just kind of responding to short-term yeah. things like on impulse. Um, I invite all of my scholars and students to look at this economy in different ways and sort of challenge, challenge our business economics people and others that kind of pontificate about that. And, and remember that it's all so connected. I think you're going to go with a question next that shows even more of this, right? Is yeah, I mean, global. I mean, yeah, I'm, um, definitely. But I kind of wanted to like just, you know, get your own. Uh, experience like on you know consumer uh, demand because we've seen you know consumer behaviors have have been quite interesting during the pandemic because we've seen like increase in online spending because people want more goods at home but we've also seen that increase in spending just purely because of COVID stress and you know kind of relieving themselves of of the many stresses that come from the pandemic they turned to like online shopping so do you have a experience with that either you know an increase in shopping just because you need certain goods at home or maybe as a way of like taking your mind off of all the different stresses the pandemic has caused you? I'm afraid I have experience with both. <laughs> I, uh, I'll joke that I, the uh, pandemic turned me into a millennial because now I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go in any stores, talk to any people. I just want to get everything brought to my house. I do everything online. I trust everybody with that. Um, so that really has increased and I don't, I'm not kidding when I say I don't want to go back in a grocery store. Like I'm, I'm sold on getting my groceries delivery. I like the people that do it. They do a good job and I don't really want to ever do that again. So there's some changes that are going to be permanent for me as well. 
I have to say that I did some therapeutic shopping. Kendra Scott jewelry has done very well by me during the crisis, and it was kind of fun. <laughs> what concerns me about this about the issues with demand and supply right now are not sort of the day-to-day -day annoyances so much as the fact that I can't really get my hands on a car and the economy needs us to buy bigger items as well. And that's like a great segue into like what I want, where I want to go next, because, you know, major focus of 2020. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, you got it right. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, but yeah, it's like a major focus of 2021 was, and that's still continuing, obviously, is the supply chain crisis. And I'm curious, like, how much do you, of this do you think was just an organizational time bomb just waiting to explode? Because from like just-in-time ordering to like manufacturing offshore and like countries where there's just so many steps involved to get supplies here, like, was this inevitable? And like, were we just like, were we just not prepared for like such a crisis to happen? In a broader context, it probably was inevitable. But in a, even in more ways, it doesn't have to ever happen again. Um, technology allowed us to get to this, these inventory systems, the, 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 the quickness from one place to the other, the ability for Amazon to offer me same day delivery, all of this stuff relied on stuff that we haven't really, the infrastructure isn't behind it yet. It will be. So I think that technology got us faster to the point where we could kind of deliver this stuff. What the pandemic shown us that we truly are global, but we really haven't made those connections as tight as they need to be, number one, that there are other concerns besides the person who can afford the goods getting it in their house that we have to address if we want this to be a sustainable pattern for the economy. And we, we can't react faster than we can develop technology. It's weird that we're doing, the humans are doing both, but we can't keep up with our brains yet. So every time we do a new technology, every time we speed it up, every time we make it more efficient, something kind of goes in the background. And when a global pandemic hits or a natural uh, resource problem happens because of a storm, I'm thinking of all the things that happened in the last two years because of massive storm systems and tsunamis and whatever, this stuff will shut off the supply chain almost every time. But there is some hope in the technology that it would be like, it was pretty resilient. It, I'm not concerned, as I said, with the fact that sometimes I can't get the stuff at the store. I don't know why people have to hoard toilet paper, but that's a human thing, right? But I do hope we can step up for the manufacturers, the supply chain, so they can start selling to each other and making delivering cars and that kind of thing to people so we can keep that moving along. Definitely. And I think you mentioned like, you know, it's hard for you to even get your hands on a car at this point. And, you know, there has been a focus obviously on like chip shortage and, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. You know, yeah, people, yeah, people, have, you know, and, and yes, it is true. Like beyond just the, the organization of the supply chain and, you know, the dysfunction in that, there are also like scarcity of materials, you know, of specifically like microprocessor chips and like the materials that go into that. Um, do you have any like personal, like, would you like to elaborate on kind of your experience of like getting certain items, like maybe 
like car you were talking about or like xbox or ps5 stuff yeah like so that. right now i kind of it's like i would like to get a car i don't really want to pay a lot of money for it i just need to get myself around more the the used car market is just as bad um i have a friend who is willing to sell me his car he doesn't even know when his is going to be available so you know sort of on a personal but i think that when i look at the news every week I do a little news feed for a professor on mergers and acquisitions. So it's sort of not related, but I read about these chip companies trying to band together and mergers and acquisitions are affected. The, the whole, everything we use now, it's of concern to me. Again, the technology we haven't caught up with, lithium shortages when everything we rely on has a battery in it. <laughs> and lithium seems to be the best, yeah. I I don't dismay over things like these, though, to be honest with you, because those are the kind of problems business generally has to solve. Sure. And Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is this is kind of what the entire aspect of business is. It's the nuance in it. You know, it's the world is ever changing. And, you know, the way we adapt to certain circumstances and phenomena that happen is what drives businesses to make change in the future. And, you know, going back to that point that you made about like the lag period that's always there when we like have some technology, technological advancement and the rest of like our whole ecosystem has to like adjust to it. Does this kind of like portend like, like how an imbalance in supply and demand in the future that's like always going to last because there's always, it always seems like there's going to be some event that either causes demand to shoot up, especially because of online shopping, that like that feels like it, it can get multiplied and suppliers just aren't ready to stock the shelves. And conversely, something like Omicron can all of a sudden hit, labor shortages can happen, people can feel diffident about shopping and all of a sudden there's just an oversupply. Do you feel like there's ever gonna be like a long-term solution or is this always gonna be kind of like in disequilibrium, the supply and demand? I think there's always going to be an issue I think that sometimes it'll flow fine. I think that some industries will be more affected than others. Okay. So that's how the economy kind of survives. External, re external sources and bad things usually affect one industry more than another. It's a rare thing, a global pandemic. I hope. <laughs> it has so far, right? Yeah. So, up till now, I hope it doesn't happen every couple of years now, but that I still think we can recover from. But you'll never be rid of some of these things. And we won't ever be rid of the issues, the sustainability issues along the supply chain, the pressures from shareholders to do business differently, to not keep the supply chain going by paying some people a dollar an hour. You know, I. I, I don't, and the, we have to take care of the resources or we're not, this is going to always be a problem. We have to do that. I, I look to the young people because I don't see any evidence that older business people are addressing it the way that they should. And we're more likely to hand ring over this last couple of years and not do anything about it than you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, that's a really interesting thought and like, that's kind of like where I want to go. With this final question, I really appreciate the time again, Professor. Uh, you know, you're talking about like we have to take care of the materials. You know, we it sounds like we just have to be 
more better planned is kind of like a, way, a simplistic way of putting it. Do you have kind of like a broader or more nuanced view of what, like what we should do in the future or what like our outlook is as not just like as consumers, but as like businesses, the economy in general? So I would encourage, you know what I would encourage? I would encourage thinking. <laughs> Number one, thinking. And by that, I mean consciously looking at decisions that we make as business people, as leaders, as, as, as individuals in society, and trying to keep others in mind as we make them, and trying to look forward as much as possible, as much as possible. To not be defensive, to not try to kill everybody, to not be overly offensive, <laughs> to, to, to just think and stay mindful of where you're at and where you need to be. I think even if you make the goal making the most money possible, if you extend your view of that, you'll make different decisions along the way. And they're not always the quickest point to hear. I used to play backgammon with my brother all the time. And it was a frustrating experience for the man because I kicked his butt all the time. And it wasn't for any other reason. It, it was all strategy. Every time he moves the board, if he had a chance to shoot me back, he would do it. It didn't matter what the situation was. And I would only do that. Like I would forego putting him back if I could get my guy to the end first, right? It's, it's strategy. <laughs> you, you go forward, you come back, you go towards your goal. Yeah, I mean, those were like really interesting and really descriptive and nuanced thoughts. Professor, really appreciate the time and the energy you invested into this. And Good luck to you in your yeah. future. It was nice to see you and your whole face. Yes, <laughs> yes. you as well. Okay. Thank you.